This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's Paul Sokolis with special guest, kit car builder, Michael Craven. Here we go. Hey there, welcome to another installment of the On All Cylinders Podcast. Uh, you got me for your host today, Paul Sokolis. And as we always do, we've got an interesting topic on the docket today. Uh, we're going to be talking all about kit cars. But instead of talking to, you know, the owner of a professional shop that can kind of crank out a dozen or two of these a year, we wanted to focus more on the home mechanic, the home gearhead that uh, maybe doesn't have decades of experience putting together kit cars and certainly doesn't have like a two-post lift or a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of tools to draw from. And, and to do that, we found Michael Craven. He put together a Factory 5 Mark IV Roadster, which if you're kind of picturing that in your head, it's based on that Shelby Cobra Roadster Coupe that was developed in the 1960s and uh, certainly uh, is a popular kit car model nowadays. And yeah, he put this thing all together in his home garage. And we'll get into more of his skill level and stuff later in the interview. But uh, for right now, Michael, thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. So first of all, how did you get into the gearhead hobby? Was it kind of always with you? Did you get bit by the car bug as a teenager? Was it a family thing? Tell us how you got interested in cars and stuff. I don't know. It just was in me. It wasn't necessarily like I grew up around racing or anything like that, but it was just always kind of there. I just was drawn to it. You know, I ask that question to folks a lot, uh, both on and off a microphone, and and I get a similar response many times where it's not just one thing. It's kind of a confluence of, of other factors. But uh, I hear the phrase, you know, it was just always kind of there quite a bit. So so that's not unusual at all. Now, was this uh, kit car your first major plunge into the performance world or did you have a couple other hot rides uh, leading up to it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I always wanted a V8 when I was uh, 16, but parents were not supportive of that. So I just had, you know, a V6 Firebird for my first car. And then I eventually bought a 2003 Mustang GT. So that was kind of my first taste at real sports car. And then after that, I did eventually get a Terminator, which is kind of in the Mustang community, a little bit of a coveted car. It was a two-year car Ford made the Cobra that came with a supercharger. There was a little bit of a lull until this car came along. So now what made you decide on on building a kit car? Certainly there is no shortage of performance cars on the market today, both new and vintage. What made you say, no, no, none of that. I need to build my own. I need to assemble a kit car. I wouldn't say there's anything all too specific, but going back to the Terminator, it's kind of a little bit of a funny story. That was, you know, my toy car. I had a daily driver truck at the time uh, and I sold that and used the extra funding from that to get an engagement ring. So it was always kind of the joke with my wife that, you know, get rid of this Cobra, but someday I'd like to actually have a real Cobra, you know, obviously not a real, real Cobra. That's, you know, not a millionaire. So then really what's next is kind of the option to build one. And I had gotten sort of connected with a couple of guys who had done it. And went to some of the shows and then it just, you know, really becomes contagious after that. But I really just love the idea of the challenge of it. I mean, you know, a little bit more than a motor swap. It's from the ground up. You know, you're not completely fabricating everything, you know, like you were to build from scratch car, but it's a lot closer to that. And I just like the idea of diving in and getting my hands super dirty. So you decided on the kit car route and you went with the Factory 5 uh, Roadster because you just like the look of the Shelby Cobra? Yeah, I just always, iconically, it was something I was drawn to. It was, it's, most people love that car. Uh, it, gets, it gets a ton of attention on the street, although that wasn't really the intent, but like people across the board enjoy it. I mean, it's just kind of something that catches everybody's eye and everybody kind of either has like a memory associated with their story to it. And Michael, you were nice enough to send me the spec sheet on the car before this interview, and I'm looking at it now. It's got a Ford 5-liter Coyote engine. 
How did you decide on the driveline and power plant? Yeah, so I knew from the beginning that I wanted a more modern take on the car. The kit's a factory five, which if you're any familiar with kind of the Cobra kit community, it's it's the most popular do-it-yourself one. There's tons of information out there on it. And they give you a lot of options. I mean, originally when they kind of started, it was you take like a Fox Body Mustang, maybe hit in the side or something like that and swap all the parts over. You buy their kit and you can combine the two things and turn into one. Fox Body's drivetrains have gotten old and and good ones are expensive now. Um, So the Coyote has kind of filled that gap. You know, it's the LS of Fords almost pretty plentiful uh, and they got a lot of power for what they are. And I just knew I didn't want a carbureted motor. I wanted a much more modern take. So it just really was an easy choice for me. I just knew that. And then you tell Factor 5, you know, when you place your order for your kit, like this is the motor I want. It's got the mounts in the right place and everything. Now, I think a big question on the minds of a lot of our listeners is how long did this take you to build? I mean, you're not a professional shop. You're doing this in your home garage. What kind of timeline were you looking at? Yeah, generally when people ask me that question, I say a little over three years. I got the very first part, which happened to be a transmission. I was just actually at a Cobra show and uh, there was a really good deal on one. I picked that one up. I think that was like June of 2017. And then a funny story also with my wife, I was just like, you know, if I buy this thing, I'm kind of hooked, you know, so let's, let's be on board with it. And she was. And so uh, we kind of waited uh, back in the day, Factor 5 used to run sales. They haven't really done that in a while, but I waited till the next big sale came up. So Thanksgiving of 2017, I placed the order for my kit and then it was delivered March of 2018. And then I submitted my paperwork um, to the state of Florida, you know, cause you got to get completely registered. It you know, doesn't exist at that point. Uh, you got to get a title for it and the whole deal in May of 2021. And then in June, 2021, I got the plate. So March to May. So a little over three years. Now you quickly alluded to a topic I was going to bring up later in our interview, but since he brought it up now, um, what was the DMV slash BMV process like? I know that's a big question mark for a lot of potential kit car builders. And certainly the, the answer is going to vary on what state you're in. But can you kind of describe your experience with the DMV and what it took to get your specific kit car registered in the state of Florida? It really wasn't that hard. Kind of a theme probably along this whole thing is um, the forums and the, the information that's out there. There's a really good community behind Factory 5. Uh, so you can go read other people's stories and how they've gone through it. Uh, you know, the state has the documentation, you know, for you to follow along. However, and not to get into an argument with the state of Florida, they've had some issues with Factory 5s in the last few years. So I ended up having to get it titled as a 2021 Assembled from Parts Roadster, which doesn't sound like it's a big deal. But if you ever go to sell the car, there's other states that that has impacts on. Florida doesn't have emissions regulations like other states do, but also it made my insurance double. Um, even though there's, there is a process to follow for building a replica car that's matching an older car. So you can get it registered as a 65, um, but I, I didn't have that opportunity to do it. Um, but there's some, there's some weird nuance in there with that specific uh, manufacturer. It just wouldn't be a story about the DMV without referencing some arcane nuance that uh, gums up the works, so to speak. So let's talk about the actual build now. You've got the transmission sitting in your garage, your kit car's on order. Did you have an idea in mind on what jobs you could do and what you were prepared to farm out? How did you take stock of what your current skill set was and then what you were prepared to learn or teach yourself along the way? 
Yeah. So in that time period where, you know, I broke that seal and bought the trans and starting to get the itch, you know, started looking for parts. I started doing a lot of research. You know, you can go more down that donor route um, or obviously you could buy everything new, trying to find the cost break in there in the middle where you can balance that out. So I spent basically that time doing a ton of research and there's a lot of really good detailed builds on the forums you can read through and you kind of start to see really what, what it entails, you know, other than just seeing a shiny finished car and a couple of YouTube videos, there's a lot of details in there. And so I started to gain confidence uh, in, in what I would be interested in doing and what I wouldn't be interested in doing. And I really got to the point where I boiled down to that. I was confident. I think I could do everything but paint work. And I probably could do the paintwork. I just knew that this probably wasn't the right car to be your first time uh, to do paintwork on. So pretty much did everything except um, the body and paint. I did a little bit of like pre-cutting and trimming and sizing some holes and stuff and getting them certain things mounted and functional. And then I'm, I had like a couple, I did some custom stuff and I had somebody come weld that because it was structural. And then I bought a welder and sort of taught myself to, to weld the less important things. But I kind of stuck to that plan that was really just me and then paint and body. And we've tiptoed around this facet for a while now, but uh, just to drive the point home, no pun intended, you did all this at home. Like you didn't have access to a buddy's shop with a lift or anything. You didn't even have access to a separate storage unit. Am I right? Yeah. So I just live in a relatively normal community. I have a two-car garage. So that's where all the work happened uh, with the again, exception of paint. Fiberglass body comes on the chassis when it's delivered, uh, and then you kind of have to go backwards and disassemble it a little bit, take some of the aluminum panels off. And so that body sat outside. You know, there's, there's a thing called a body buck you can either build or a lot of times you can get somebody who, who finished their car. And I, so I got one of those and it stayed outside for, you know, 80% of the build. And the rest of it was just right there in two-car garage with the frame and boxes of parts everywhere and tools. And we had a, a spare bedroom. We, you know, we have a couple spare bedrooms. We didn't really use, and I jokingly called that the parts department for about three years, full of boxes and miscellaneous parts just to keep them out of my way in the garage. And I think every gearhead can sympathize with that. Um, You said earlier that you wanted to teach yourself as much about car building as you could throughout the course of, of this project. Can you give us some specific examples of what skills you had to develop and teach yourself um, in order to finish your car? You know, it's a ton of micro learning processes. I consider myself above average on handiness. You know, I never not trained in automotive or worked in a shop or anything. I actually have more experience more on the construction side of the house. But I would say welding was probably the biggest thing. I was like, I I just always kind of wanted to. And I started to get a little bit more off the script. When you buy the kit, the intent is you don't have to weld anything. Uh, But you start doing some, you know, customization or changing things, you know, like relocated my e-brake handle. So cut the cut the mounts off for that and made my own. That was the biggest thing that I really learned. And I'm by no means a welder. <laughs> I can make metal liquid and then, you know, the two parts stick together and, and then a grinder is your friend. But diving into the electrical, you know, always know, you know a little bit about, you know, 12 volt systems and how things work. That was a little bit intimidating at first. You, know, you see piles and piles of parts and miles of wire and all these different things. It was in general, I would say it's just that you could do it. Just jump in, break it down piece by piece, work through it. Uh, there, like I said, the forums are amazing with either finding information out there or posting, you know, questions that people will answer it. Uh, but there is nothing really major that I felt like I had to learn. 
Now, Factory 5, and, and I presume other kit car manufacturers, I mean, they give you an instruction assembly manual, correct? They don't just leave you to fend for yourself. Yeah, there is a manual. It's thick. It's three inches thick. And it's more of a, I would say it's more of a guide. Certain times when it's important, there'll be, you know, specific details, but other times it's like mount this thing on this point and then you go to like hold it up and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> when I started to get a little further into the build and I had read a lot, I kind of, you know, shelved the manual a little bit um, because I was doing some of the off script stuff and I just pre-read. That's a lot of what I would do like during the week uh, or prepping up for a specific element that I was working on would be spend a little bit of time reading somebody else's post or, or looking through the manual or whatever to just kind of get your mind around, you know, the parts you'd be working with that weekend or whatever. All right. So as the build is progressing, were there any moments that, that took you by surprise, either, either pleasantly or unpleasantly, you know, as you're getting your hands dirty, anytime that something uh, developed unexpectedly? You know, again, having tried to do, you know, research in advance, I wouldn't say there's anything major that was surprising kind of from a time consuming perspective. There's like guys who build factor fives on the regular or have done multiple kits. You know, they just get the itch to do it again, uh, which I can already feel coming. Um, but that first time you do it, there's a lot of little things that are maybe nuances in the kit. And you go to like bolt apart and, and it doesn't quite fit. And you're like, all right, is it, is it me? Am I doing, is it upside down? Is, you know, every once in a while, rarely you would get maybe the wrong part um, or the holes didn't just line up. So taking a break and going uh, reading, like, oh, that tab is notoriously bent a little bit, just bend it out and it slides right in. So there's a lot of those little, you know, very specific learning things. Well, stretching that question a little bit further, um, what was the toughest, most challenging part of the build, you'd say? Um, getting over the what did I do factor. <laughs> when it first gets delivered, you're like, holy crap, I know this is going to be years of work. And I I just didn't enjoy doing brake lines. I don't think it was all that hard. and but I, I put that off and, and didn't really have fun with that. But nothing really was all that substantial. Just take your time and pre-read and I think it's, it's doable. There's, there's plenty of guys who have less skill sets uh, or even experience than I did who you know, put these things together. Then let's flip that question around. Um, what parts, as you're doing your pre-reading and your research, what parts were you really looking forward to? Were there any elements of the build that you just couldn't wait to dig your hands into? You know, I, I enjoy the mechanical stuff. So I, my degree is in mechanical engineering. So my brain kind of works that way. So I really enjoyed a lot of that, the more mechanical pieces. And you know, initially early on putting the suspension all together and, and assembling all the components with the motor and things like that. That was, it just, it was easier for me and made more sense. Again, kind of in general was this challenge of not to take away from art, but it is sort of like your own little art project. I wasn't building a you know replica of a specific race car. I was you know taking it and trying to do my interpretation on it. So the the choices and the process of picking oh these gauges are the modern look that I want and finding a specific seat that I want color was a bit of a nightmare just because there's so many options and you never really know what it's going to look like. So nightmare in kind of a good way. You know not to sound bad. Um, just you think you go buy a Mustang or. Camaro or whatever. It's like, I want the blue one. Well, there's one or two options. You know, my car is dark gray. There's every option of dark gray out there. So that process of being able to like try to vision it all put together and, and then making all these little micro decisions, eventually, you know, three years down the road, have this hopefully cohesive looking rendering of what the car kind of was and what you visioned. Now, customization is a topic I wanted us to spend some time on anyway. 
And you've made mention already of a few little facets of the build that uh, that you made unique. Can you describe any other instances where you like went off script, so to speak, to uh, modify your kit to make it yours? Um, so when you order the kit, there's a ton of options you can choose from. I, I really went with a stripped down version about the most basic you can get it in. I did add a few options, like the car has uh, independent rear suspension on it, like, and it uses the like S550 Mustang so 2016 and up. But like, I didn't get seats, I didn't get gauges, and you know, I made all those decisions myself, and really was able to kind of piece part together and search over the internet and find things that worked that fit the style, but not necessarily were just bolted. So I knew that having seen other cars, I knew that the e-brake, I didn't really love the location of it. So I knew I wanted to move that to the top of the trans tunnel. So that was one mod that I did that it was pretty common. Another one was, so I have the Mark IV. So it's just like the fourth edition of the kit. It comes with inch and a half roll bars. So, you know, if I would have just ordered the kit that way, they, they just bolt right in, right? It's no big deal. Um, but I ordered it with the previous generation's two inch roll bars. I think the thicker ones look a little better. And I also cut two inches off the height. So it's, you know, it's a three bar design. So the leg, when you cut the height off, the leg comes in. So when I ordered the kit, I told him don't cut the rear leg hole in the body because I knew that leg was going to come in. So I had to cut off all the mounts for the inch and a half roll bars and make new mounts for the two inch ones. But then I also added LED flush mount bolt lights in the roll bar and it's a third brake light. So that's all individually drilled and tapped and then they're threaded in and they run down the, the tube, come out the bottom and they're then, you know, then wire that into the brake lights and turn signals. And so what normally would be just putting on roll bars and bolting them on was probably at least a month's worth of work. So that was one. And then it has a slightly different gas tank in it. That's a, it's been used on different iterations, more of the challenge car, which is a race ready. Um, so it hangs down a little bit and made by fuel safes has fuel safes. It's kind of got that sneaky race car look. So those are kind of some of the ones that I did. And there's just tons of little things that either improve or just kind of change things, you know, and like the seats at them being not so common. Uh, and I didn't actually hadn't seen anybody put the specific seats I got in the car. So it's like, you got to make brackets for them and get them all to, to line up and fit just right. And a lot of little things like that. And it's worth mentioning that if you want to see Michael's car, uh, just go to onallcylinders.com, mosey up to that search bar, and type in Michael Craven. And that's Craven, C-R-A-V-E-N. And we've got a whole feature article on it packed with plenty of pictures to kind of give you a baseline to see what he's describing here. Now, Michael, we've been talking for about 15 minutes now. And say someone's really, really getting the itch to build a kit car, but has never done anything like it before. What can you tell them? What pieces of advice can you give uh, someone new to the kit car game that could really help them out before they take the plunge? Yeah, I've uh, you know talked to several people. I try to get the car out pretty regularly and talk to a lot of people who are in that boat. And the number one thing that I tell them is, is go to one of the big, you know, there's a few Cobra specific events. There's one in Texas every year uh, put on by the Texas Cobra Club. And then there's one in Ohio. It's the London Cobra Show on by the Ohio Cobra Club and there'll be a hundred plus cars there. I went to one show before I ordered my kit and then two more shows while I was building my kit and just seeing like all the little options in person um, and the way people did things helps a ton in kind of figuring out one, how to even order your kit and what you like and don't like. Do you like low back seats? Do you like high back seats? You know, all the different things. Also, not just the options, but how people implemented them, you know, 
all the little, like, how did you run that wiring? Or, oh, I like the way you tucked that because it's a lot cleaner. Or, you know, the switch panel that you put on, you know, different things like that. And so I have a ton of, like, pictures from all these events where I'm like, I like this. I don't like this. Um, so that's my number one thing that I usually recommend to people. Just get out there and see them. Uh, Factory 5 also has an open house once a year. And that has another opportunity to see the facility, but also a bunch of cars attend. Uh, and then the second thing would be, going back to this, the same thing I've kind of already said before, is there's two really good forums out there if you're you know, looking at the Factory 5 specifically, uh, where you can read a bunch of information and go through people's old builds. And current builds, you can follow along with current builds as well. Those are the two main things that I really think would, would help steer you in the right direction and get your head around what, what all is entailed. And now's probably a good time to mention that if you go to summitracing.com, uh, the folks at Summit Racing have worked uh, with a few Factory 5 kit cars already, um, namely a Mark IV Roadster like Michael's here and uh, a Daytona Coupe as well. So if you go to summitracing.com and type in Factory 5 Combo, there's a good chance uh, at the top of the search will be a, a ton of those combos that will help you get an idea of what other parts you may need you know, beyond the kit itself. All right, Michael, let's pivot just quickly here because I'm already kind of hearing it in your voice. Now that this one is done, would you ever want to do it again? Is there another kit car on your horizon? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, and I would like to. Not sure if it would be another Cobra, but uh, yeah, the, the challenge of it was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I was able to do it at a younger age. A lot of people end up doing it in retirement, but yeah, for sure. If you can do it and you're on the fence, do it. That's awesome. All right, you heard the man. Go out and build yourself a kit car. <laughs> now, Michael, building off that earlier question, if you had a time machine and could go back to the start of your project, is there anything you would have changed along the way? Anything that you would have uh, done differently? Yeah, that's a tough one because you don't know it till you know it. But yeah, the, when I was putting the car together, I had the standard wood steering wheel, which is a larger steering wheel on the car. And then I knew I was going to put a more racy steering wheel on. It was a little bit smaller, but I just wanted to keep it from getting messed up. So I kept it off the car and built with the wood one. And the where I put the ignition for the key is pretty easy to get to with that larger steering wheel. It's kind of annoying to get to with the smaller one. So when people ask me that question, that's usually my go-to answer. And then I have, I put cup holders in it and I wouldn't not have cup holders. I just would uh, orient them slightly different. Uh, they kind of sit where my arm sits. Uh, but overall, not really. I mean, I'm very happy with the way it came out. You know, there's there was a few components like I could have done a spindle and big brake upgrade on it, which maybe I do in the future. You know, I'm using like donor spindles off of a 94 Mustang uh, and then Mustang Cobra brakes. A lot of people put big wheel woods on it. If money was no option, I would have done that. So now that the car is built, it's done, it's, it's on the road. Uh, what do you do with it? What are your plans? Yeah, I... Try to take it to, um, you know, pretty regular shows. I mean, I live in Florida, so the weather's pretty good most of the time. Although, you know, the car has no roof and it's usually sunny and hot here. So you got to be a little careful about burning yourself. You know, we take the car to, to lunch or something. Uh, sometimes I drive it to work, um, although my work is really close. So I don't actually get to enjoy it. So it's the only time that I wish I lived slightly further from where I work would be the days I drive the car in. And again, Florida isn't really friendly with random rain showers. So I got to be a little cautious of that I've ran out of meetings before to throw a cover on it. And everybody looks at you a little weird and they're like, Oh no, it's his car. But then I also take it to some of those, those shows that I mentioned. It said, I you know got my tags in June of 2021. 
that was Monday. And on Wednesday, I put the car in a trailer and towed it up to the London, Ohio show. So it had 75 miles on it when I got there just from driving around the neighborhood. And so it really got its uh, first 300 miles, 18 hours from my house out at a show with a bunch of other Cobra guys about the best place you could break down and have a problem. Um, I've done that twice. I did it again this year. And then in March slash April of this year, I also took it out to Texas, 18 hours from my house, put it on trailer, drove it out there and driving the car with a bunch of other guys out having fun. Uh, I think I put over 500 miles on the car in four days. Yeah, trailer in a car 18 hours away within a week of its life uh, certainly shows confidence in your work. And now I've asked this question already in a couple of different ways, but uh, I'm genuinely curious. Um, are you going to keep this car or are you going to sell it and, to fund another kit car? Do you have any like serious long-term plans like that? Yeah, no immediate plans, um, but I'm you know always dreaming. I'd love to be able to keep the car and build another car kind of out of garage space at the moment. Um, but, you know, I love... And I think Factor 5 makes good product. There's several other kits that I would look at from them. You know, I think the Daytona Coupe is really cool. They've got a truck that's pretty awesome. But also kind of on the top of my list is a C2 Corvette, but not, uh, you know, classic uh, restoration. I'd like to take one and modernize the heck out of it. And that would be kind of a bucket list thing, too. I would say the C2 Corvette and the Cobra are like right there, one and two on my list. Well, to be fair, I think uh, the Shelby Cobra and C2 Corvette Stingray are number one and two on a lot of folks' lists out there. Um, But hey, we've been talking close to 30 minutes already, but is there any other parting advice that you'd like to give a a would-be kit car builder? Or outside of the On All Cylinders feature article, if someone wants to learn more about your specific car, uh, is there any other online resource they can look to? Um, I think the, I don't want this to sound like a shameless plug, but something else that I've kind of enjoyed in the process is I, uh, originally started an Instagram account for the car and that wasn't really to become, you know, an Instagram person or anything like that. A lot of guys will do these builds on the forum and there's plenty of good ones out there. And I knew that like friends and family wouldn't go to factor5racing.com and <laughs> read my forum post. So I was like, yeah, if I do it, you know, some, something more attainable on a social media platform, you know, maybe more chance that people that I'm close with will follow along. Um, but I've had pretty good success with growing that account. And I've really enjoyed like being able to enter. I mean, like the fact that I'm doing this is probably a product of that. I'm talking with you know, some racing's podcasts that a lot of other more well-known car people have been, had a chance to do. And I kind of enjoyed that. I didn't think I would. And, you know, just get a lot of, Ability to have direct contact and, and communicate with other people uh, and help people. I mean, you know, it's kind of part of this community is it's again, I keep saying that, but the people that I've, I've made really good friends um, from going to these shows. And now we get to take our cars out to these events and drive around for four or five days together. That aspect of it is something else. I think that this community kind of has that some others don't because a lot of the cars are drivers, you know, nicely restored Stingray might show up at a show, but you're not going to then drive out and put hundred miles on that car that afternoon. And that's been really fun. Just being able to enjoy the car and the people and uh, the whole community of it. And like many facets of the automotive hobby, the community is everything, but uh, just to drive home the point, if you want to see more of Michael's car, you can go to onallcylinders.com and type in Michael Craven, C R A V E N into the search box, or you can catch him on Instagram. Michael, make sure I have it correct here. It's at my underscore cobra underscore build that's your instagram handle yeah yeah that's where you can find me there's a also a local youtuber did a really good video on it 
Um, if you want to just, you know, look up, I think it's 65 Shelby Cobra replica, be easy to find, but to just for those listening or get maybe more of a visual as to all the things you're talking about and understand what the car looks like, the more modern take I did on it, those be, those be two good ways to see it. Well, with that, Michael, I won't keep you away from your car much longer, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to explain the whole kit car thing to us. Always enjoy talking about the car. We've been talking with Michael Craven all about his Factory 5 Roadster kit car, uh, about what it takes mentally and technically to build one of these things. Sir, thank you again for the time and good luck in the future. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.